Hello, this is Judge Samuel Alito. Now you've asked me a very interesting and difficult question about what type of breakfast cereal that I would prefer in the morning. And while I know that I would deliberate on this thoroughly if this were an appropriate time for me to do so, I must sadly tell you that this is not the appropriate time or place. Just rest assured that I do know one thing. This is the MEP Report. Let my home back in Omaha See if I can make it out in the world And I got as far as Wichita Suddenly I wasn't sure anymore Lost all my friends in Los Angeles I'm not welcome in New York But I must stop back in Omaha Where the fans, they always crying out for Alright, in that case, welcome to Member Report number 79, May 9th, 2007. What is going on out there? Uh, we have some stranger in the house today, uh, Russ and I. There's some guy here, and uh, we don't know his name, but maybe he can introduce himself. I hacked, I hacked the password. Is it, is it Jeff Delacorte? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's Story. Yeah. Story, story is back. You survived, hey, hey, Story. Hey. Welcome back, Story. I, you, you made it. Alive. Thank you. You're alive. I, uh, I fell off the earth for two weeks. Um, <laughs> it was very cold. I remember a cold sensation and a <laughs> computer talking to me and saying, believe you'll find that very difficult without your spacesuit, and, and that was pretty <laughs> much it. Uh, and two weeks later, I was, you know, unceremoniously dropped on my bed, and it was May instead of April, and I had missing time, and it was a little eerie at first, but uh, yeah. now I'm okay. So we were only we, yeah, we started no, to get really worried with you when we saw that everything on your web page had like frozen in time. You hadn't updated your blog. Exactly, Duck and cover wasn't moving. Exactly I was like, oh god, indicator. story's in deep trouble. <laughs> people exactly because people said like that they didn't know or they didn't know what was going on with me or like they thought I might be okay and just ignoring them. And I was like. Look at my webpage, okay? You have never seen it in that much disrepair and disarray. Nothing getting updated. And duck and cover is a really good indicator because that usually, like, if that falls through. I mean, I had a streak of, like, 600 and some straight days where it had been updated daily or close to it, like, twice a day after missing one day or something. And when that sat for a week, I was like, people should know. This is alarm bells, people. Yeah. There's something very wrong. So you made it. And so. you made it thanks to antibiotics and doctors. I'm actually stunned. Clea and I were pleased to hear that that, that was well, how things went down. <laughs> I mean, the first doctor got it wrong, which is not... But you have a good second doctor, know. apparently. Is that true? Part of part of why it uh, it all went wrong, so... And took so long to recover, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've never been opposed to antibiotics. I, I Antibiotics have done many great things for me over the course of my life, so... You know, antibiotics tend to be sort of a... A lone weird anomaly in medicine that's functional and viable. It's funny. The one, the one thing that Story likes in medicine the, is uh, anti-life. That's the one thing he likes to something which kills yeah. life. Yeah, that's well, good. Well, the antibiotic <laughs> itself actually came from a vegan shaman who slaughtered a, an animate piece of celery and extracted its, uh, its <laughs> fluids. And that's how they made the bio- so. antibiotic. So. Yeah, that's good. Well, welcome back. We're glad to see that you're, that you're back, um, that you. you've arrived back on the train. 
So that's that's good that yeah. uh, everyone is back in back in. Then. I I have a subject that I want to bring up here. I don't know <laughs> if anyone's got anything on specific, but I wanted to bring something up, and it has to do with something which is very topical. I think it's really related to what's going on in the world today, and that is Swedish engineering. So Clea has this elliptical trainer. <laughs> everyone's like, uh, Swedish engineering. So Clea's got this elliptical trainer. Like Volvo. All right. Uh, exactly. Like IKEA okay. this weekend. I'm gonna bring up Volvo and Saab. And no, no. then it was made of particle board. No, although if and you put something saying, together from IKEA, yeah, well, no, they, they, I, no, IKEA is cool because they have pictures of these like stick figures like pointing at things and smiling, so it makes you feel comfortable about your. Where, no, um, this in this is an elliptical trainer that Clea that we've had for a few years, and and Clea ordered it, and it's from this company called Tunturi. And it's this supposedly world-class, okay. the best thing ever, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, fine. So we got it, and for the first sure. couple of years, Clea used it quite often. I use it once in a while, um, and, and, it's, and it's good, and it's an elliptical trainer, and does what it's supposed to do, and whatever. But over the last, I guess, four or five months, it started to squeak. Now, if you know anything about an elliptical trainer, you know that, you know, it's basically sort of like and a station. And you don't. Okay. Well, it's like, uh, it's, you've seen them You've seen them in, like, gyms and things like that, or you've seen them on TV, like, advertisements for them. It's like sort of like, gyms. it's like a cross between a treadmill TV, and a maybe. stair climber. It's like a cross between a treadmill and a stair climber. Like, you basically are moving, you're, you're, you've got these handlebars, oh, and you've I've got your feet on pedals, and you're walking and sort okay. of climbing like at the same time. It's like a cross-country skiing machine. Except as if the ground weren't level, as if you were constantly yeah. cross-country skiing through potholes. Exactly. And that's what it would look like. Okay. I, I don't know about Is it like Bowflex? That's very odd. Because when you said elliptical like trainer, <laughs> I thought of Bowflex. No, it's not like Bowflex. you kind of make an elliptical motion, which I only know about Bowflex because of commercials. So. I see. Okay. Okay. No, it's it's not Bowflex. Not like that. But the way Russ described it is very much... I don't know about about cross-country skiing okay. through potholes. That's a funny image. Have you ever seen the Atari video game? Uh, what is it? <laughs> Moon Racer or Moon Rider or something? Uh, no, I never had You know that Atari. game? I never It's like the most famous Atari game. It's basically a little moon vehicle, and you have to keep jumping over large holes in the ground. Well, if you had okay. driven through the holes in the ground, then that then you would be uh, on an elliptical train, okay, because that's, that's what you have to do. I guess that's sort of you're true. You're constantly right? making a motion so where your really legs gaffs? go, like in a, a motion that no, they wouldn't no go gaffs. in. No, there's no gaps. It's not like a treadmill where it's, it's like no, a no, running it's, thing. There's no, 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 no. The difference is... In a treadmill, you're on a level surface. So on an elliptical trainer, your okay. legs like dip down underneath your body as you're going back and forth, as if you're running in and out of valleys. <laughs> but this is somehow different than a treadmill that's just on a plane, right? Well, that's right, because on a, on a well, the reason why. It, it, because it's a free, it's a freewheeling thing, and There's it's no, track. it's no impact too. Like it's smooth it because bicycle? it's no impact. Like your feet never leave the, but never leave the pedals. Yes. Like your feet it's are always a bicycle. Like You've guessed it. I was just trying to veil <laughs> what it was. It's not really a bicycle you anyway. Okay. So it's an Wait, exercise machine. So it's like okay. On bicycle pedals, but you somehow step. I am so confused. <laughs> I thought I'm you really saw trying it. to get this. I, I, it's you put your feet into these harness-like things, and okay. basically it's a mechanism that allows you to move your legs back and forth without running on a solid surface. Without leaving the harness. So it just contorts your legs and makes yes. them work for you. And you're, well, okay, I'm yes, but it. you have yes. to work, yes. That's sort of more or less true. Yes. So, okay, right. so this is the thing that we have. Okay. And and okay. so it's got I, a big wheel, it. it's got a big wheel in the middle of it that, uh, that these pedals turn around. And that wheel started to squeak. 
Now, that normally, okay. if you okay, have normal, if you okay. have normal engineering, right? Normally, you think, oh, something's squeaking. What do you Talk do with a something like a stationary bike? A little bit, there yeah. Are elements. A little bit. Like there are elements of it that are okay. like that. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So yeah. now, when something starts to squeak, if you've got a metal wheel or you've got something which is metal and it's squeaking, what do you normally think to do with a squeaky wheel? This is not difficult. Give it the grease. There throw you it go. The garbage. <laughs> yeah, right. You throw it away. No, no, not not the eighty-five percent, Russ. The fifteen percent. So what you Get normally do okay. is you put grease, or you know, you put three-in-one <laughs> yeah. oil, or you 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 know, you lubricate it so it stops squeaking. Okay. The problem is that this is a Swedish-engineered product, and according to the Swedes, according to the booklet, there will never be a need. You need to they give say. It a they will ne- yeah. There will never be a need for you to lubricate or oil the mechanism, so it is enclosed. They're like, there's no reason to get to it. It's never going to need what? Why would it need oil? It's never going to need oil. Like this thing never. It will never break down. Nothing bad will ever happen to it. Is but it in made our by case, craftsmen? yeah. But exactly. Like in the, in the deep, in the high mountains of the guarantee. Alps, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. It's it's like it, although this is not Switzerland, so that doesn't really fit. But you, you you get you get what I'm saying. So sure. I'm like, all right, I can't, I can't. So it's it's self enclosed. So I'm like, all right. So what do we do? So we go to the Tunturi website. And you go into it, and first they give you this sort of happy little, you know, welcome to Tuntura. You've picked the greatest machine. Yeah, they all say this. You've picked the greatest exercise machine ever. Right. And this exercise machine will bring about world peace and, you know, all that stuff. So you get through all of that advertisement stuff. And you finally get to the support thing. And they seem sort of shocked that I would even ask for support. They're like, support? Why would you need support? This this machine cannot be defeated. It is the greatest. Nothing could ever. It's not. It's luminous. <laughs> I love that every stage. They're like, Really? Are you calling with problems? Are you sure that you haven't made a mistake? If you've made a mistake, please hang up. Right, yeah. You and, actually and have problems? And, and that's exactly right. You should reassess your life. Are you sure you didn't buy this brand? Exactly. <laughs> if you are actually projecting <laughs> emotional deficiencies onto our product, plus press 3 and we will have a trained exactly. psychologist talk to you. So seek counseling and support. Please dial 911 <laughs> exactly. or go to your nearest hospital. And what's so funny is you guys have got the tone exactly right because they weren't they weren't rude. They're right. just like, oh no no no, you must no, be wrong. This friendly. this is the Tuntori. Are this your never legs actually broken? If so, please seek medical attention. <laughs> it hurts so every time I get on my elliptical machine. Why can't I do this? It causes great pain. <laughs> so so yeah. So I'm like, all right. So so I'm like, I finally get to this thing, and then you finally get to this one place, and they and they have a contact form where you can contact and they don't have anything that says contact us if right. something's broken they just have contact us if you want to tell us how great our machines are because they they will defeat <laughs> cancer and this praise and they are the right. into the snow there you go right so, <laughs> so i so i sent so so we sent a thing to them sent using their contact form and we got an email back from an american dealer apparently the tantori people had seen this and they were like only americans can understand why americans would break our beautiful machine so you deal with this american dealer this person will tell you. <laughs> So the American dealer says, oh, what you need to do is, you know, grease the axle. Logical. They're like, so what you have to do is you have to grease the axle or you have to do something else. And I'll tell you what the something else is in a minute. Now, to grease the axle, all you have to do is simply <laughs> or apply you have to it. mail your machine back to Sweden. Yeah, right. And by the way, this is the heaviest machine yeah. ever. So you have to apply this exactly directly. Broken. You have to apply this directly to the axle. I'm like, okay, that's fine. The problem is that the axle is self-enclosed within this device that is never meant to be open right. because this is the item that never breaks down. 
So I spent much of today, or at least I spent at least an hour of today, trying to open up the unopenable, why would you ever want to open this device so that I could apply grease to the axle as I was intended to do, according to this American dealer. They were so confident right. that this thing could not, would never need service, by, apparently by anybody, that they had actually placed screws on the interior of the cover. Like, I don't even know how they put them in in the first place. Like, somehow they sent in trained mice, trained, like, nano mice, to go no. in and, like, screw the thing closed and then and then commit seppuku because they couldn't escape after they Greg, sealed the cover. Like, that's... They banned that's the screws in. <laughs> There's so much protection for this. Are you sure this isn't, like, a Trojan exercise machine? Are you sure <laughs> yeah, right, that exactly. little Swedes do not pour out of this thing at night exactly. and, you know, start taking over your... Uh, no, but what it proves to me is if the Swedes had made the Trojan horse, that Troy would never have fallen because they yes. couldn't have opened the goddamn horse. They would have been like, how do we open... This Welcome horse is not to... meant to be opened. This horse is perfect, just as it is. Why would you open Thank this you horse? Thank you for buying the X-11 surveillance machine. Uh, we mean elliptical trainer. Elliptical trainer. No surveillance <laughs> exactly. will yeah. take place in your home. Well, maybe you guys <laughs> are right. I hadn't thought of that. Break. I, I yeah, just was our, like... Our picture is crystal clear, Mr. Wilson. Nothing is broken. <laughs> Nothing is broken. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you're raising your right hand. Oh, please not that finger. Put that down. Yes, Mr. Wilson, everything is functioning uh, everything as expected. Is just fine. Yeah, everything I'm is sorry, functioning is as fine. I'm sorry, making a squeaky noise. So... Yeah. So I finally conclude, okay, so this is not going to work. So I'm like, all right, what's the other thing if I can't grease the axle as I'm supposed to because I can't get to it? They're like, well, if you can't grease the axle, there is one limited fault. And, and you could tell that it was like a fault that they were very embarrassed about. They're like, this is a fault which you found in some limited group of machines that were manufactured in the following two-day period. And the people who made them were executed since then. And we hate them and we've removed them from the poll and they will never be, you know. And they said, which will... And, and, and it was the, all done during October and we're not <laughs> proud of it. And. <laughs> and we're not happy that this happened. And so they're like, so what you need to do is right. add this special washer to the wheel, and apparently the washer that you add to the wheel will cause the wheel not to squeak for whatever Swedish reason. However, here's the kicker. How do you get this washer onto the wheel? Simply by opening the unopenable mechanism. Take the nano mice that you use yeah, to screw together the cover in the first place. Like, like a big what? improvement. So like, wait, we have a third thing. You can turn the wheel around. If you turn it backwards, it's fine. Just yeah, get exactly. to the wheel. And we the have wheel. a fourth possible solution. Just put a mouse in the wheel, and <laughs> so you just open the wheel case. Exactly. Okay, we have a fifth. Here's another idea. And, yeah. And so we build occasionally a when you buy the Viking yeah. Model 2E elliptical <laughs> trainer, you need the supplemental Viking Model 2E flamethrower to open the crankcase. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what I concluded as I was thinking about this, it started me thinking about like all hideous Swedish engineering and like how most Swedish engineering is like competent but impossible to understand. Like, for example, Clea had an old Saab, okay? Do you guys know that the Saab, the car, the, the Saab car turned on, the ignition was found next to the gear shift. If you wanted to turn the car on, you had to reach the keys down towards the gear shift, turn the keys, and then press a button to start the car. It's not clear to me why you needed to do this, but this is what you needed to do. To get the wipers started on this car, and I'm not making it up, you pressed a button on the roof of the car, like you reached up above you to start the wipers. Why? How old is this car? It was, it was 1993. It wasn't that old. It was like, let's do this. It was like one of the, you know... 
Uh, so, so you have to start the wipers doing this. The lights, well, the lights. It was the new move in intuitive car design. If like, if it's raining outside, then you point towards the sky. Please <laughs> stop this so thing coming from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's all. You yeah. must want wipers. And if you want to turn the car on, yeah. you reach towards your groin. Like, what is the what is that part about? Like, towards the engine. <laughs> Man, I want the <laughs> engine thing to start to work, yeah. please. And the engine. Engine, go. Press button, go. Well, wait. That, that maybe makes, makes sense. sense. That makes sense because the headlights, the headlamps, are not on the little, you know, the thing that you turn next to the wheel. The headlamps were in a button right next to the dashboard. So you actually had to reach out and go. Why yeah, are there no dashboard. lights in the darkness? Headlamp. And then you press it. Over here. Yeah. <laughs> headlamps go on. It actually had an automatic tire changer, too, that you probably never reached <laughs> down into the wheel well to press. But, I mean, but it was right there. See, what happened you just was do it. they, they yeah. put the chimp in the test vehicle, and the chimp kept waving at things when it wanted it to work. And they're like, want the, hon the horn to honk, wave, wave. Why don't we put it near where he's waving? Because that's where that's he wants so, it to be. Exactly. It's like the whole thing is like 2001 A Space Odyssey. It makes sense. My God, it's full of sobs. So, like, I mean, basically what I've concluded, and now their current ad campaign is sob, made by people who are you know born of jets and their Powered whole point is jets. like we yeah. made jets i'm like just because you made jets i don't know means that you're qualified to make cars so i've concluded that they make things okay they just make things in a way that nobody understands like the swedish engineering makes no sense to anybody and because it's it's somehow it works and yet it works beyond anyone's capacity to understand although in that actually that's not true because our electrical be trainer doesn't work anymore so i don't know to be fair, Saab has been an American GM company for about 15 to 20 years. But, you well, know. Entirely? Maybe, uh, yes. They've been a division of GM for 15 to 20 years. So, oh, okay. They, well, they well I mean, the reason. A long time ago. I think one of the reasons that it's so successful is they've mastered the business art of proprietary technology, which is you create something that works fine, but that nothing else is compatible with and nothing else can change or right. fix or destroy. And only your proprietary engineers right. and your proprietary parts and your proprietary customer service have any idea how to function, how to make it work. Right. That makes sense to me. Which sure. is why, you know, I have like 18 USB extension cords. Because <laughs> yeah. there is no no device can have the same USB port as any other device. Because God forbid we should have one USB cord that could <laughs> Even plug into Russ, any device that we wanted it to. Russ, what does USB stand for? Of course, Universal Serial. Universal <laughs> Serial. <laughs> universal. Universal <laughs> should be PSB as long as you proprietary. Have every cord in the universe, so it's universal. Whatever. It's true. I've concluded that I can now create adapter chains from anything to anything. Like, I think I could actually adapt my bookcase to my monitor by attaching enough Radio Shack jury-rigged one adapter, like, USB to FireWire to wood, like, wood lacquer to, you know, plug to, you know, I could, I could get something to something else just through the use of random adapters, yeah. but there's no one-to-one -one thing out And there. especially for someone like me, who considers himself somewhat of a techie, so I save all these old electronic parts. Like, God forbid, one of my 800,000 adapters that I've used in my life should actually work for something new that I buy. And if they didn't have to invent, they're like inventing new shapes just so that you, your plugs won't fit into whatever they've just invented. No, this is a hexagonal with a semicircular bottom. You'll never find anything that could plug into that. Exactly. They're like, what shapes do we have left? Um, well, we can do a decagon with a like a spiky circle in the middle of the decagon. Like, Jesus, that's brilliant. No one can plug anything into that. But I mean, is this, is this just designed to like make people like I don't understand? Is this designed to to like is it proprietary? It's like this way, no one will capture our intellectual property. We'll just well, make it so weird know, that like, nobody it's would also think of it. Planned obsolescence, like everything else in technology. 
Right. Claim obsolescence, it's like, you know, make you pay more, make you buy it again, make you throw out your old things unless you're rough and you're holding on for that one day. You know. I'm waiting yeah. until yeah. they repeat the That's pattern once, and I'll be like, what? Half a rectangle with triangle side? I've got it! <laughs> I've got the core. <laughs> Maybe it's like fashion styles. Every 20 I'm years it comes everything. back again. Yeah, absolutely. Oh no, it's true. Well, it's in the same way, movie theaters make all of their money off of soda, and electronic companies make all their money off peripheral cords. And if you don't have, buy their extra peripheral cord, which costs them twelve cents to make, and you buy for six ninety nine, then they don't win. Yeah. So that's what you need to keep buying the same cord over and over again with the different go. stupid extension. But like when you see good engineering, when you see something which, which is well designed, like we ended up this this uh, weekend, we ended up getting because there was a sale, and we got a portable hammock. This is something which is the greatest thing ever invented. You take it, you pull the two sides, it folds out Aren't into a hammock stand. You put no, because you have to have no, because you have to have two trees to spring string it between normally. I'm saying you could bring the whole yeah, hammock plus right, stand you don't with have you. To trees. Carry the no, the, the point is story. You, no, but the point is story. You could you hook up the. When no, you're done, you need to find them. You take the hammock down. No, but what if you live in a place where the there are no trees? There are trees, right? This and hammock is made of portable. cast iron. It was built by the Sumerians okay. in but, 400 but BC. But then the word is not It was meant portable. to be used once. It's non-free. It's no tree hammock. That's what you got. Is a, is a, a no tree hammock. hammock. All right, not I got a treeless a hammock. hammock. I see. Okay. Hammocks are portable. Well, but they can't... All of them. But they... Every single one. That, what? But what no, let someone make a hammock, hammock of steel once. Technically, the whole hammock is portable yeah, if mean, you're willing sure. to wait. You bring some tree seeds, plant the them about, of a you know, ten feet is apart, its portability. and you wait. It is rigidly referring to a hammock <laughs> that is part of a hammock. But you need to have trees. The nature of a hammock. Once it is not it's portable, like a non-portable it ceases backpack. to be portable. But no, you, yeah, don't, you exactly. just leave it there. It's that's a backpack. Exactly. That that's goes, the whole point. But you need to have it's trees. It's portable. It's in your house. It goes that's with my point. Stays. Oh, God. <laughs> but, okay, you need to have a back to put on a backpack. It doesn't make it not portable. This backless person comes in and complains that it's I, not portable. No, I, don't, I don't even know what you just said. That's very funny, but I don't know what you just said. That's very funny. I don't that know what you just said, That would be good grounds though. for a lawsuit. would be the torso-less man who sues the, uh, the backpack professor. company. Greg, you're an English professor. You know how words interact with other words to define our world, okay? Portable Story, means the, you can move it. But you can't move it. Portable. No, you that can't, is can't move it. That is the whole nature of a hammock. If I can't move it to the middle of the Bronx and put it in the middle of a sidewalk, it's not portable. I can't move it somewhere and what? use it. That's not true. Yes, it's true. What? <laughs> what? Story. Just because you can think of a place Story, in the okay. world so, where so, you couldn't set so it up oh, means it's not portable. So your argument no. is, your argument is that if I can take the hammock with me and lay it on the ground and then lay on top of the hammock, that somehow is a portable hammock. No. You're like, this is so comfortable what like this. Happened? No, <laughs> portable means it is able to be transported easily. You can fold up your hammock okay, and fine. take it wherever you want. The box calls okay? this a portable hammock, portable. but fine. That if it makes you feel portable. better, this is the first portable, okay. usable hammock, okay? Greg, this is the first usably Greg, portable hammock. How about that? Just because it's called a universal serial bus. Treeless. 
Just because it's called the Universal Serial <laughs> doesn't Touch mean doesn't it's mean universal. I can stick my tongue into my computer and it will read my thoughts. You do need the actual <laughs> thing that is compatible with the other thing. But I'm saying it's not. In this case, right. I, I just bring the stand. You need something to hang the hammock. But from. I don't. I just bring the stand along. I pop it out and right. blam. There it is. You know what it is actually? I just it's portable hammock stand. Does that make you feel better? Portable hammock stand because the stand oh, is portable. Stand. Does that make yes, you feel better? Okay, there you go. That I explains mean, it. Yes. It doesn't matter whether it's portable or not. It's a hammock stand, which in and of itself is a totally different concept. Not if I and sort of not if I nailed the, the stand to the wall. Not if I nailed the stand to the ground. That would be pretty funny. In point of fact, that's where you, you go into the desert. You go to treeless places with your hammock stand, because that's what happens when I mean, you can't find point, trees. I'm very close. Yeah. I'm very close to asking why you're not just using a bed, but but that's fine. Oh well, because fine. well because I'm Go not going to bring a story. Well, let's say that I'm on, on my back deck, which both of you guys have been forth. on. If I if I go he out to my to deck, lounge. which both of you guys have been on, uh, I can't put a hammock out there because right. the sides are too far apart. So I bring this thing out there, I put it up, and I immediately have an instantaneous hammock, and I'm able to enjoy the outdoors on my own private deck in a hammock. And I happen to like hammocks, by the way. And I don't have to enjoy, I don't have to hurt any trees either, by the way. Okay. There's no drilling anything into hey, a tree, a or you know, cutting a tree to take it with me if so you it's have portable. Well, usually between two, two posts, it doesn't hurt anything. <laughs> okay. And, yes. like, let's say they're 20 feet apart from each side of the hammock. Does that make it a more precarious hammock, or is it the same level of precariousness as if it were just two trees, like, four feet apart? If you had, like, a super long rope that attached each side of the hammock to something, does that make it precarious. to sleep in? It would be harder. It would be, it would be more precarious, I would, would think. It would be tighter, right? Sounds like no, more no. fun. No, maybe not. But what if you just had longer rope? I think it would have to be tighter unless it's going to be dragging along the ground. Wouldn't it just be more, like, or you're more shaky? Way off the ground. It would be more likely for you to swing back and forth well, and fall off, maybe? Yeah, I'm just saying, well, I guess you could mm, swing no. farther because you have more rope on either side. But I'm just well, wondering the longer it is, if it's less stable. As long as it doesn't drag on the ground, the longer it is, it either has to be tighter or higher off the but ground. But if it's too long, it doesn't meet Story's portability quotient, which I'm going to call the SPQ from now on. It, it's going to fail Story's SPQ. It's so. just what the word means. <laughs> it's what the word portable means. It can be transported. Sir, what are you it's carrying onto the plane? This is my portable hammock. Clue. I can set this up anywhere. Can I just string this between two of the seats? Oh, it'll be fine. I'll just be in the back. This is portable. I can bring it anywhere. It works. Setting it up anywhere. Where you can set it up has nothing to do with the concept of portability. Well, of course Those it does. totally different what is, the, what is the point? Okay, where story. Where you can take it and where you can set it up are totally different. Why can't I totally use my Bunsen burner underwater? It's not portable after all. It's not. Exactly. <laughs> like, That's not logical. Greg, you've just forgotten what this word means. No, it's I have fine. not forgotten Everybody what it means. It like, I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd. Like, it, the, I understand what the word means, but it's absurd to actually have something where you're like, it's portable. And we mean portable that it's completely useless, but you can carry it from place to place. Like, if I... It, uh, let me, let me see if I can... It's not completely useless. It's, it's useless. totally useless. Everywhere there are trees. Story, if I bring a, a TV with me... If I br- story, world. if I bring... I bring a TV with me to a beach, and it's a TV which needs an AC adapter, and I just bring my widescreen TV to the beach and no, stick it in the sand. That's technically portable. portable. They call small. They don't call my HDMI. According TVs. to you, story. According That's to you. Exactly what they do. According to you, then I should be able to take my 23-inch HD TV and bring it to the beach. And even though I can't plug it in anywhere, and it's going to get filled with sand and 
water and not work. It's, quote, portable because I carried it. Is that the argument you've just made? No, it's not easily portable. Okay, portable <laughs> implies a certain degree of ease. Oh, it's in ease. the transport, oh, right? Oh, I didn't know That's that ease was a part of it. That's why the small TVs oh. are called portable. Oh, that's why the small TVs are called portable televisions, and the other ones are But not. I can bring it from That's place to place, portable thereby making it port-dash-able, right? I can port the TV, according to you. I mean... Which is just what we said about the hammock. I can carry the hammock from place to place, but I need trees to set it up. Okay, well, this is really easy to set up. I want a hammock in the middle of a road. I set up a damn hammock. I got a hammock. It's really easy. Okay? <laughs> That's the point I'm making. <laughs> setup has nothing to do with the portability. I just yes, don't it does. Why the, yes, it does. What about the TV? In. The TV I isn't don't. easy to set up. If I if I if I trail the 750 the mile cord extension cord back up. to my house, I could definitely be at the beach with it. But it would not be particularly easy. But it would still be portable. So according to you, there needs to be easy to, to be portable. That's the idea. It needs to be easily usable. Well, yes, you know what? Easily I think though that That's there the is. There's been an evolution in the definition of portable between the dictionary etymological root of portable and the commercial use of portable. I think commercially they use the word portable to mean you can this will function as as it travels with you. But I think oh, okay, right. definitionally portable just means something that can easily be carried around. Okay. So if you're selling a portable TV, it's implied in the commercial use of portable that you're going to be able to use it as you're traveling around without having to plug it into sand, I think which won't work. I think that's fair. fair way to put it. That's probably what they're thinking about with the box. So maybe that's that's a good way to put it. That's right. Yes, the word itself that doesn't make means you can carry it around. But like yeah, a store, if a store is selling you something that's portable, they're not going to expect you, unless they're you know Greg's Viking elliptical company, to have to have all their <laughs> proprietary shit and a bunch of other things to make it work. Like it should just work. Just, if it's just portable. for the record, portable adjective. Number one, capable of being transported yeah, or conveyed. I've just explained, two, though, how that doesn't easily work. Easily carried or conveyed by hand. So easily is in the concept is the number two yeah, definition. Yeah, but my TV is easily carryable. It's just not usable anywhere except in a place where I can use AC power. I can easily carry it, though. I can carry my monitor to, work, to the beach with me, but I'm not going to be able to watch it. I can carry my, you know, hard drive with me for yes. no reason. But, okay. I mean, you know, it's easily portable, according to so you. So, in the sense, those are portable, yes. That's fine, <laughs> okay, yes, great. absolutely. I think we're going to redefine the market a bit. I think if somebody asked me, if I asked somebody if my TV was portable, I think they would look at me as if I had ten heads. I, I think that's not the way that they're thinking of the term portable. Portable implies I mean, use. Even if there's a concept, even... If this has somehow no, it does. That's crazy. Portable. I. That's what I just don't understand. And even if it has infiltrated the language, it's been on the back of technology, which does not explain why it's being applied to a hammock, which is about as untechnological as you can get. Okay, so you're saying that. So oh, even not if true, there's my like some computer this hammock I got is very technological. Computer and phone. You should see the engineering. This is no. not done by Swedes. Hammocks. Hammocks are like. <laughs> I give up. I give up on this planet. Its language is changing on me for no reason. English professors are backing these changes for no reason. And hammocks no longer have trees. Yeah. Which is sad in and of itself. I just, uh, you know. Okay. So you're happy about this, though? I am. I'm, I'm very excited. Because you just pull the thing open, and it becomes a hammock stand. You hook up the hammock, and then you're in a hammock. And then you can take it down just in as fact, easily. I'm going to argue... Just because I can't let this die, that your hammock is actually the least portable hammock ever invented because it has this whole stand that comes with it. Where most hammocks are just a piece it's of cloth. It's the most usably that you portable. You fold up and put in your bag. The most use portably usable hammock ever. But it is the least ever. actually portable. 
It is the least portable what? in the definition of portable what that is used by humans in English. I did a search on Google for portable goods, and basically what it came okay. up with is a list of electronics like an iPod or like a Bluetooth headset right. or Bingo. headphones. So things that you can use while easily while you're traveling and are small. Right. In and, and that is, I'm I think, willing the commercial definition of portable. That in a commercial electronics sense, that has infiltrated. And I protest because I don't like portable electronics at, of any kind. Because I'm a Luddite that way. And that's fun. <laughs> what about cell phones? You know, I can disagree uh, with the world about that. Right, exactly. So what about I can MP3 disagree players? with the world, and that's fine. Like but even if it's an electronic, even if it's an electronic reality... That does not justify hammocks. That does not explain what why story? hammocks. Oh, wait, here's one. From the CBS the Sports Store. Reality. It's the 15-foot portable bench without back. So that's portable. The what? Even though it's a 15-foot long bench. Exactly. It's portable because it's not nailed into the ground. It's portable. I disagree. It's portable. You can move it from one place to another. there's a pill. You can port it. That you, like, pop into water and a 15-foot bench springs out of nowhere. No, it's like those little animals when you were a kid. Those sponge animals. You put them in a sink and they became, like, 12 times the size. Exactly like those. Now, those, that was some portable technology that I liked. That was awesome. The little dinosaurs, the like colored sponge dinosaurs yeah. that come Dude, out in the bathtub. Those things gave me out. Awesome. They because were weird. one time those. I made a I made like a whole pack of those dinosaurs and then what do you uh -huh. do after they are expanded? They're like so soaking wet like rubbery things. So what I did was well, I put them on top like of like the air sponges. conditioner and then they okay. kind of shrank and became all slimy and oh they were disgusting. Those things are horrible. Oh, I love They those are a little things. weird afterwards. I, I agree. They're a little weird kids. later on. I mean they're definitely it's like good while a you're short watching life them in span. the sink become big. Right. But then of the get real rid of those fun is a very short lifespan. That's true. Of like the five yeah. seconds when they're coming out of the, and you don't know. The best part is that you don't. It's like baseball cards. You don't know what shape they're going to take. Right. You know the genre. You bought the dinosaur yeah. pack or the like safari animals pack. Right. But you don't know the shape of the specific one until it comes out, and that's the really fun part. So yeah, I mean, ninety percent of the utility is right there up front. It's true. Well, actually, so still, it, it's you know, the reverse. Fun, colored like, sponges and if, cool shapes. If you guys think about. It, it's the reverse of Shrinky Dinks, and and you think about it, the whole excitement of I was Shrinky Dinks. Shrinky I had Dinks. a friend. I was gonna go straight to Shrinky Dinks. I had a friend who put together <laughs> a thing, a tray full of Shrinky Dinks, but he put it in an oven with no window on the front. What the hell use is that? You're like, you put it in, it's like now they're small, and you're like, oh, that's they were bigger Maybe he before. Ate the Shrinky Dinks afterwards. <laughs> well, no, it's like because the whole point is food. watching them get small. Like the, the whole point when you're a kid is watching things yeah. get bigger, watching things get this small. And not like not a well conceived idea. No, it's like there, you know, there are at least ten problems with Shrinky Dinks. First of all, you're putting plastic in the oven to cook. This is a bad idea. Especially, right. Second of all, you're telling children, here's a toy. It works while it's in the oven. Stay near, as near the oven as you can while you're playing with your toy. This is a bad idea. Number three, these things will permanently ruin, like, baking pans, anything that you put them on and put in the oh, oven. Oh, is that true? Put I don't remember that. Grill, is that true? It will basically turn your oven into a nuclear waste site. Like, it's the worst possible. And then it is. But then the utility part is, the, the fun part is where you watch them in the oven shrink. Because apparently the, the laws of physics are unknown to kids. There's, oh my god, things can change shape when <laughs> heat is applied to them. This is the funnest time I've ever had. Exactly. Come over again. <laughs> we'll 
cook some things and make them go small. It's just weird. Why is that a toy? And then what do you do when they're small? That's what I you mean. You stare at them and be like, they're smaller now. I've gotten less value for my money that I spent on large things, which are now smaller. Yay! <laughs> yep, that's right, and that's that's the issue. I, like I, you, you know, they, this, these things have so much limited. Like I, when I was a kid, my one of my favorite toys was I used to have. I think I may still. My mom may still have it, like in her attic or something. I used to have this thing called the Master Caster, and it was this thing where you could make wax cars. And the whole thing, which was by the way probably hideously dangerous by today's safety standards, but you got it because you thought it was, it was a Dungeons and Dragons thing. Didn't yeah, you? I know, right? No, no, I had enough of those things. <laughs> you were like, I no, would dude. be a Master. Caster. The thing I like when this I was a kid, great. besides fantasy stuff, <laughs> I be a plus fifty Besides fantasy stuff, when I was a kid, the other thing I loved was Hot Wheels. I loved like cars yeah. and matchboxes and like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they had they had this thing called, and you could actually it actually made wax cars, so and it, it had paint? like oh no, dude, you could yeah. actually oh, yeah. you ran a mold underneath this thing like a car mold, and then it would actually pour the hot wax like a factory into the thing, and then you watch. Now that was the coolest thing ever. That was like oh, that's that's pretty. That's goddamn cool. sweet but it was all proprietary wax for one thing so you couldn't use it if they didn't have it and secondly there had to be something about it that was hideously dangerous like you're using molten hot wax and then you're like all right now move this out and make sure you stay away from it kids like there's not going to be one kid who's gonna be like let me touch the molten hot wax wow that burned my finger off that's that's really great but it was you know at least there it, it lasted a bit and then you could actually play with the car you could like put stickers on it you could you could actually run it the car if you did a good job with it you could actually run the car properly if the car sucked you could melt it down again. So I mean, there were lots of great possibilities with this thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, but yeah. it was proprietary, and you know, and it probably wasn't safe by today's standards. So now nobody would like to play with that anymore. You know. Well, everybody'd like to. <laughs> well, I guess so. Aren't you know. allowed to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did you guys ever have when you were a kid a foam cutting kit? Like a thing where you could you had this thing like a wire that was superheated and it Jesus would let you Christ, cut through Greg. foam. It sounds like that you bought all your toys like from the wholesale factory where they make toys, but they have a side business where they sell to kids the ability to make toys instead of buying them ready-made. It's like, wait, why buy toys when I can make them from scratch? All I need is a die cast and wax and some paraffin. I did have a spirograph. I did have a spirograph, so you may be right about that. And an idea. Yeah, there could be. And then I'll make a cartoon from you which I will make toys. grew up in the 1890s, so it, it all comes together. Right. <laughs> when they had molten hot wax. When I said it, like it wasn't portable. Day. Story. Yeah. I actually yeah. had a factory that I that I bought, and I just walked into it. Greg actually changed exactly. his name from Hasbro. It used to be Hasbro. <laughs> right. Now exactly. it's John Hasbro. <laughs> right. Yeah. And grew exactly. up. Cutting age of, of toys. Oh gosh. Oh man. There were some really good ones good back times, then. Good times. Good times. Was around when basketball was being like invented. Pegs in a wooden block. I love oh. turning pegs in the wooden block. That's the greatest toy ever. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was one of those things that, you know, again they gave you like this was an exposed you had this thing you it basically was heated up using batteries and then you would use it to cut through this foam and you could make different things that <laughs> Did you make the batteries? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, no, but they like, should. Look, sulfuric acid. But I, and a tin can. <laughs> and wires. Copper no, wires. but I did have. I, that you cut out of the ground. But I did have a, a chemistry set. I did have a chemistry set, <laughs> and I had I had one of those 101 electronic project kits. <laughs> in the oven. Did you guys ever see those? Those 101 <laughs> electronic project deals? Where you could, like, get one, and you could, like, make all these different things, like an alarm, and you could make all this different stuff. I had 101 I electronic kit. Like that. I was never a battery-operated kit Oh, uh, like I love that stuff. Radio Shack, man. I was not. I was not one of those. I had the big 101 project. It was the best. 
Although you really couldn't do much with it. I was it, friends you know. with all the battery op kids, but I wasn't one of them. You weren't one of them yourself. The problem yeah. is I always wanted to do more than yeah. I was allowed to, so they would be like, all right, you can make this alarm, and when you take this wire out, it makes noise. I'm like, that's great, but how can I rig it up for my door? So I'd like do this thing where I'd like try to put in front of my door like my electronics kit, and then the whole thought was like, if someone walks into my room, and this would, of course, be my parents, since my friends were not going to at night break into my right. room, <laughs> this would make a noise if they happened to trip over the one wire rather than just killing themselves by tripping on the entire device which is standing in front of my door like i didn't really think this through when i was a kid too well but i was like this is cool it's an alarm wire (laughs) what you really found out is no my parents are not sneaking into my room i I determined that yes that's right yes i'm safe (laughs) moving on right right I fancied myself as an inventor when I was like eight years old, and my invention was I tied a piece of rope from my bed to my door handle so that I could open the door from bed without knocking out the It's genius. You don't have to get up. You just open the door. It's amazing. Uh, How about, did you guys... Even then, you were trying to cut myself. corners in safe time. That's phenomenal. That is, that is <laughs> I know. Who would have seen your all the the door job when coming I just pulled from there? This rope. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to... <laughs> That's tremendous. When I was a kid, I tried to... Um, 16 hours for the pay of 40? There were, Imagine. There were a bunch yeah. of kids that um, right. had rigged a mailbox <laughs> that were stealing either or, like, destroying mailboxes <laughs> on our block. So I figured that I would avoid this by setting up what I called a trap. And in my eight-year-old brain, the way to set a trap was to take a rubber band and loop it around the outside of our mailbox door and then use tape on the inside of the mailbox door to hold an eraser, okay? And on the inside of the eraser, you put a pencil so that when somebody opened the mailbox door, they would be impaled with this pencil. Now, had I, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> had the trap worked, I probably would have been held, you know, I would have been responsible for murder. But since my traps were terrible, the chances of this actually working were not very good. So normally it was going to happen, first of all, they were likely to hit the postman the next day. But the second thing is that in all likelihood, I, I mean, I was dealing with eight-year-old material, right? Like eight, stuff material, material that eight-year-olds could get. So I was dealing with, like, you know, scotch tape. Like, what's the staying power of scotch tape? Like, how, 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 like, heavy industrial strength is that really? Like, the rubber band, you know, like, that's just a rubber band I got from school. Like, is the eraser, is my pencil, which I didn't even sharpen very well, because I didn't really have a good sharpener, like, is that, is that, you know, is that really gonna, you know? It's gonna stab someone, (laughs) but but it's slightly dull. It wouldn't write terribly well. It's just gonna write on them. They're gonna run away screaming because they've got written on with pencil. Like, I I didn't think this thing, I was just like, oh, they're gonna, and then when our mailbox didn't get to face, I was like, see? See? Clearly my trap was effective. No Nobody dares touch our mailbox when the truth was it was like Sunday. So it's like nobody was coming close to our mailbox anyway. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. It didn't. That's an yeah, I had a day. game like that where I used to play um, Action Hero. And there are two forms of action hero. One is where I would take every water gun that I had, that I owned, and, like, strapped it to my body somehow so that I would have, like, access to more guns than you could ever <laughs> That's need. That's important. And the other, I took my power glove. Do you remember the Nintendo? Oh, yeah. The power I never glove. had one, but, yeah. And I would wear... The power glove was the worst actual controller ever because the sensors never picked up anything and you had to like the whole game you'd be playing was basically wiggling two fingers which (laughs) made your fingers extremely tired and was not entertaining and did not at all feel like you had a hand you know that could control what was going on when you're just like 
index finger up, index finger up, 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 up. So <laughs> I would just actually use it to play pretend cyborg, and I would put it on my hand. I'd be, I'm a cyborg, and I would shoot <laughs> lasers. And, and then I'm I would a make cyborg a bomb. with water guns. And the way that I would make a bomb would be I would take parts out of my broken synthesizer, which looked like interesting things like electronic boards and gears and stuff, and I would put them into a piece of tinfoil, and I would wrap the tinfoil up around the electronics. I'd be like, this is a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a bomb. It weird. I mean, clearly, it was a bomb. That would clearly work. You just put a bunch because of electronics together. You just have together. a ball of tinfoil. Nobody cares that you put a whole bunch of shit that doesn't matter in the tinfoil. You can't see through the tinfoil. Exactly. You can just have a ball of tinfoil be the bomb. But I had to make it extra realistic by putting, like, a broken circuit board inside the tinfoil to make well, it Well, that's bomb. what worked for the ATHF <laughs> thing right in fight. Boston. They saw the equivalent of a ball of tinfoil, and they're like, wait, there's circuitry in it. This is, Seriously. This is sophisticated. They would have arrested me. This is no if minor in thing, Boston, you know? As a seven-year-old, oh, I would have immediately been arrested <laughs> by Boston police. They're like, are you kidding? He was a cyborg with a bomb. Oh, my tin God. He's <laughs> small, but maybe from that planet they are small. They resemble children. He was a cyborg. Absolutely. That's tremendous. We did stuff like that. I used to make... Uh, <laughs> I love that Disneyland didn't work for you as a kid, but you walked around saying, I'm a cyborg. This is my bomb. That's tremendous. <laughs> It's very. I have a wonderful picture of your childhood. I'm a cyborg. This is my bomb. Did you? Uh, did you guys? I'm sh I don't know whether Story would ever have done this because he was so risk averse. But Russ might have. Russ, did you ever make a makeshift flamethrower using an aerosol can when you were a kid, or was that just me and my crazy friends? Oh yes, everybody God. did Okay, this. good. I don't know why you weren't obsessed with fire, because you should have okay, been. Okay, right. And so <laughs> sometimes we would take, like, hair gels and other flammable it was Lysol liquids and gels. Lysol, and, like, yeah. We could, like, make a message on the lawn where you could, like, write a name and then set the name on fire oh, yeah. because it was the flammable stuff. So. Uh, we, sure. Well, we used to actually Absolutely. use the flamethrower where a friend of mine rigged it up where he took a paper, uh, not a paper, a hanger, a uh, wire hanger, and he wrapped it around the can, and then he stretched it out and put it up such that you could put, like, a lighter in front of... Uh, um, in front of the can. It's <laughs> such a bad idea. <laughs> well, so you would use it, and you would you would press down spray, and of course you would have it lit, and oh so it would be a flamethrower. But the thing is that at, you had to be careful because the flame like ready-made flamethrower, right? Because the flame would gradually travel up the stream coming from the can. So if you weren't careful, yes. it would blow no up shit. the can in your face. Like that is what literally yes. would happen. Yes, it would. It would have been That's what the worst That's idea fact, of all time. How most kids kill themselves. Yeah, but it was a flamethrower though. Is it? They have these things that blow How up. many kids have their own flamethrowers? That's that's what I want to know. I just... Uh, I mean, this is only like dude, a half a step like smarter than kids who make a campfire and throw a bottle of lighter fluid that's on top of it. That's a good one, too. Like, lighter fluid for a bigger fire. And then it blows oh, absolutely. up. Absolutely. Oh, that happened... What, yeah. And, and uh, we were doing once... Uh, we did a film when I was... This is actually when I was in high school. That's kind of embarrassing. But I was only a freshman, so... Uh, a freshman high school. And we were actually... <laughs> we were doing the Iliad, right? <laughs> and so we're burning year. Troy. But the kids made me do the it. The kids made me do it. So yeah. we're burning Troy. <laughs> and Troy was this cardboard cutout that was silhouetted. So it looked, it looked fairly realistic because my friend oh, had... I thought it was your friend. It was zoomed in. Well, no. So... <laughs> burning my friend Troy. My uh, yeah, no, my friend Troy, no. The city Troy, of Troy. No. So we Hey Troy, come over here. My friend was a little bit Troy crazy. Totally the fat kid. My friend is a little bit crazy. He, he had had he was hyperactive when he was younger and he had like he was he was a weird kid. So so Where he had all? been spraying lighter fluid like there was no tomorrow on the city. So when we lit Troy Troy didn't just burn from attack. It was as if somebody had dropped a nuclear bomb on Still top of Troy. It was like the the flames went seven hundred. Like the flames went twenty feet in the air. Like it, the, his mother was just like, "God damn it, Daniel!" She's like taking a hose and like trying to put the thing out. And then of course we get the whole city of Troy put out. 
there was no film in the camera. So you had to rebuild Troy and then like reflame Troy and like do the whole thing again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is a one take shot. I'm telling you, man. Lighter fluid. That's what it's <laughs> yeah, about. Right. So, Story, you never did anything like this? You never had any risk, you know, anything like this that no, was ridiculous? None of these. No? None of these. Just shame. I was so absurdly risk averse. And I didn't really, I mean, I definitely, like, was friends with all the inventor people, but they weren't inventing bombs and stuff. They were just <laughs> inventing. It wasn't until high school that they invented anything dangerous. When my friend Fish invented the alarm clock that he was preparing for college and knew he wasn't going to be able to get up in time relying on a roommate or someone who wasn't related to him. So he uh, invented an alarm clock that would deliver an electric shock to wake him up because he I mean, he had the worst, <laughs> Very nice. the worst time waking up. This is the guy who is ground. For our cast party for our play, we co-directed a play our senior year in high school, and he was grounded from it, and you know, for like a week in each direction from that, for decking his mom when she tried to wake him up because he was that dead asleep, and he like punched her out. Punched that out happened. That happened to my to friend too. Because was your was, was your friend's name Dan? He was that Dan's, ridiculous. Dan actually threw my uh, no, my friend's no, mom over the couch once when he was asleep. He grabbed her arm and like threw yeah, her over the couch. It was that kind of thing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, he was so terrified of of college, of going into college and not having family. You know, people who were willing to take a take a fist for him to get him up. You know, uh, going in and trying to make morning classes and stuff like that. So he invented an alarm clock that delivered a shock to him. He ended up deciding not to use it. He tested it several times, and it was just a little too much. It was based on a chess clock. It was rigged up to a chess clock, and it just—it was a little too potent. He, uh, oh, he got a few burns, and <laughs> it was just—it was a little much. It was a little. It'll much. work. Oh, so he wow. decided not to use it, but uh, it would have been effective. He he just he he just got better about waking up. That was the alternative. Strangely, but, you know, it wasn't until high large school that there was like really are risk of not as stuff. much fun as they sound. Yeah, really. Amazingly, they just get kind of painful. Yeah, but no, I was I was you know I drew maps and wrote stories. That was my childhood. You know, I did fun stuff too. I climbed trees. About that was about as, yeah, as risky as I got. Cyborgs <laughs> and flamethrowers, fire and, and traps, throwers. Yeah, no. 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 <laughs> so there was a little death. A Did anybody death. ever put a bag of what looked like marijuana in your mailbox and have your mother deliver it to the police station only to find out it was actually oregano? Because that happened to me. No, that's <laughs> really just you. That's hilarious. Like you alone in the world. Yeah, that only happened to me. I know. You. I, I imagine so. My mom found yeah. uh, a bag of green. It's just like, it must marijuana. Someone's trying to put the blame on Greg and someone's trying to frame him. And she brings it out to the police station and they're like, yes, ma'am, um, this is... Uh, oregano and she was like oh um all right then good job keep up the good the good work some nice boys giving him spices and sending him <laughs> we had some garnishing school no and one gives my boy spices without hearing from right. me so story there was he's not allowed to make tomato sauce until he's 17 <laughs> exactly. no oregano so never even so story never even in the freaking like never even in the service of like like when we did like we did like a couple of movies when i was in high school and like to do that we ended up having to violate several laws that we probably shouldn't have violated like not even in that did you ever do anything that was i mean you know high school was a little whatever like we had you know senior pranks and stuff like that that i mean but we ended up ditching the senior prank that I had planned and come up with the idea for. So that was kind of an embarrassing moment. I see. Our friends got in trouble and 
half of my friends got in trouble and half of us were all ditching at the same time and like maybe we should head over there we said we were meeting half an hour ago yeah let's order another burrito and we'll wait it out yeah been two hours. We'll wait it out. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, a movie, a friend's movie, I was buried up to my neck. Yeah, see, that that made no sense. That's a, a good idea. See, that was ridiculous. That's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, I was I was playing the part of the man who is buried in the earth. And so, oh. you know, of course I have to be buried up to my neck. So. Yeah. But I mean, tight. that's about, it's been pretty tame. It's been pretty tame. I see. I mean, I got to, like, if I had to list, like, the top, you know, 20 risky things that I did in childhood through college with my friends, like, getting thrown in the snow by Brad and Russ would definitely make the list and probably be high up there just because I almost got impaled on spikes, you know. And that's not really a standout thing of, like, something really dangerous. So, eh, not very, not very risky. I do have a thing about heights. I guess I've done a lot of things around heights like Grand Canyon and stuff like that, where I'll lean out over the edges of things. Or No, that, yeah, that's true. In high school at a debate tournament, there was like a 20-story hotel we were staying at, and I like flipped around the railing like I was standing on the outside of the railing, holding on and leaning back. I used to do some stupid things with heights. I guess that's about it. That's like my one little niche for risky things. Well, so I like heights. So there you go. So that was the thing. So did you? Let me ask you this then. Did you ever put together an obstacle course? It's <laughs> a good way to like going from tree to tree. Because I had this conversation. I had a rock obstacle course. Let's end with the boring guy. I, I used to like jump from rock to rock. Made this big obstacle course for myself, <laughs> like risking life and limb. Did you ever do that? Like tree to tree? Anything like no? no. Maybe no. No, really, just heights. <laughs> Climbing trees, which is, again, a height thing, I think. Story, were you alive Climbing trees, for the first heights. 15 years of your life? I just want to make sure. Were you Were you actually? Yeah, I mean, living? I wasn't... I was trying to stay that way, <laughs> okay. more or less. I mean, going to school was dangerous enough, well, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had all I of these situations. You know, I had built-in risk. I didn't need to go seek out risk and create risk for myself. You know, being threatened was like the norm, and that well, was what I tried to get away from. But the thing is that the reason people with, call these my true. recreational time. But the reason people call these things... When you think of thrill-seekers, <laughs> thrill-seekers are traditionally people with boring lives who lack that right. in their lives. You don't see many thrill-seekers who come from Lebanon or Beirut. Yeah, you know, exactly. they're like, whoa. Oh, this sucks. Uh, Give me a good roller coaster on fire falling from the sky because I need me some action. He's from Beirut, and he just wants to watch TV and not have bombs going off. Exactly. Thrill-seeking comes from that part of humans that feel like they need to be on a survival level. That's like the animal side of humans that feel like they're not close enough to the life-or-death, survival, flight-or-flight fight de flight decisions. So... Yeah, if you were already going through those decisions, walking through the halls, then, well, right. you know, but see, you didn't but, really but feel a need for But that. I mean, like, I don't think that when we were kids, I, I wasn't like, I, I don't know, like, part of the reason you call those things stupid is because you weren't thinking them as risky. Like, if I had thought about it, it wasn't a good idea to be holding a, like, flammable liquid and shooting flame up towards the thing that I was holding. Like, that was really, really, that was really ridiculously dumb. And, like, you know, I wasn't thinking at the time, right. this is the riskiest thing I've ever done, and now I feel so much more alive because I'm risking it. I was like, wow, I can set things on fire like i wasn't thinking and if things go badly death like i didn't come didn't yeah. cross my mind yeah, but fire is innately interesting because it's dangerous in part I, I well i mean because the cool do, stuff you can do with I'll it i do respect greg but i think i was part of the 15 percent as a kid too like i've always been there you know you may may have joined up more recently i don't know man that's fine do you think that definitely I, yeah. it could very well be i guess i mean like <laughs> russ did russ would i mean you know, i don't know i don't know 
Russ made flamethrowers. Like we were flames. We we were we were kids, man. <laughs> I'm I'm still kids I'm captivated by fire. I mean, I I knew my li- like I wasn't gonna start putting it in front of like super flammable objects. But as far as campfires and fireplace fires, I was a big fan of building fire. I mean, I never really hurt myself fire. with it. Fire. I don't know. See, I think it is part of it is that fire is just an interesting thing. I mean, I think that it was TV before there was TV, was watching a fire, <laughs> because it's just sort of mesmerizing right. for some reason. Um, also portable. <laughs> yeah, and you bring it from one place to another. <laughs> it is portable, <laughs> right. except when you are a scuba diver, then it's not portable. I made it portable. With, not, we made it portable with a Lysol can and a hanger. Use it. Portable yeah. fire. That's like a Molotov you cocktail. You need sure. to make your fire underwater. Absolutely. Kids like to play with dangerous stuff. Who again? And don't kids have are stupider than danger matrix. No, right. Yeah. There you go. So there you it go. all works. Well, well look what you've learned from the MEP report. Kids are <laughs> yeah, often exactly. stupider than adults. And you wondered what <laughs> the punchline was. There it was. And we have Take come. Home, we have come to the end of an hour. We want to thank everybody for listening. We want to welcome Story back. We want to welcome Very all you guys. And uh, uh, please remember to go Yay. vote and do things and uh, keep listening and check out our videos. And thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it. And uh, don't play with fire. And um, say goodbye, everybody. <laughs> That's the last Maybe we can today. extrapolate from that. That smaller people are stupider than larger people. And as you get larger, <laughs> your propensity for doing stupid things decreases. Yao Ming, smartest Aren't man there in the world. Massive numbers of football teams that contradict this theory. Fire. No, those are those are really smart guys, Fire. man. They have good head on their shoulders. Right. And also midgets are a danger to society. You didn't know that? Because they are. The proceeding was a presentation of the MEP Report, hosted at www.mepreport.com. All rights reserved. In no way should any part of this show be construed as an invitation to buy, sell, or trade flightless birds, or reassemble Voltron. Or at least not the stupid one of the cars. Please support the MEP Report by voting for the show at www.vitalpodcast.com, adding the show to your list of favorites at podcastpickle.com, and clicking on the Vote for MEP link on the MEP Report homepage to vote for us at podcastalley.com. Email us at Greg, Russ, Story, or Andy at MEPReport.com, and call us and leave a voicemail or a fax at 206-600-MEP1. That's 206-600-6371. And finally, please join the fight to stop the senseless farming of emu glands. It's immoral, it's unethical, and frankly, it's just a little bit gross. Tomorrow's just another day away.